Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. We're both attorneys here at Pasha Law PC, currently practicing with offices in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Now, welcome to the podcast where we discuss current business news with our legal twist. And today we are discussing what to do when your client does not or refuses to pay. Correct. <laughs> so, you know, we, we decided, well, we decided to change things up a little bit. It's, I don't think this is necessary for any one particular current event that's going on, but it, it's, an, it's an ongoing issue. I mean, maybe in the news people have seen some real estate tycoons who've over the past few decades, hired contractors and small business owners for jobs, you know, let them perform the service, perform the work. When they've completed them, companies always have held up their end of the deal. So what we're going to discuss today is, as a business owner, what can you do to protect yourself from being blindsided, as well as what you can do once it's happened. And this is a problem that pretty much every business has. I mean, it's hard to think of any business that really doesn't have some consideration of how to collect money from your customers or clients, right? And for other businesses, there's less risk, and for others, there's more. And just kind of depending upon what industry you're in, obviously, we represent a lot of small, medium-sized businesses across the country, but this could be a very frustrating and sometimes crippling challenge to some business owners, especially in high-risk industries. And we're talking about everything from Anything, a lot of service-based industries, construction is, is one of those things where a lot of time and there, there's non-payment. And then also if, you, if you're working with a type of clientele that tends to, you know, you, you have certain fees that maybe they can't afford and, and they're already in a, in a position where they're disadvantaged in relationship to what they're being provided. I'm, I'm starting to think about like, you know, credit repair services where you're, or, or even a lot of, no, I know a lot of bankruptcy attorneys, for example, they have to make sure that they get paid their money because their clients are, are filing for bankruptcy. So there's a very wide range of, uh, of types of businesses, but pretty much every business has to deal with this issue uh, in, on some level. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's going to vary greatly depending on the nature of the work and the industry. If it's a business where you're going to re- require, you know, 100% payment up front. Obviously, you're going to have less issues. I mean, you could still have chargebacks, things like that, or bounce checks. But if it's, I think your bankruptcy examples is not really good, a really good one. And it's, you know, if you're going to get paid at the end, especially with a, a client who's having, you know, presumably some sort of money issues, it's going to be a lot harder to collect. So, really, it's to me, it's a two-part analysis. It's the front end and the back end. I mean, you can be proactive about it, and that's of course, you know, making sure you have all the safety precautions in place. Uh, obviously, if two lawyers here, we're going to talk about you know what agreement and, and the terms you would have in that. And then on the flip side is the reactionary aspect of it and what you do after this happens. And that can even be in situations, and many times it is, where you have a contract and the client just has refused to pay or can't pay or you know whatever reason they might give. Yeah, in fact, when whenever we come across a client that, you know, they they want to go after a customer or a client that hasn't paid and so forth, I mean, our our first thought is, yeah, we need to address the apparent issue that the client's bringing to us. But in the back of our minds is, okay, what can we do to assess to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? 
because most businesses can't survive having to hire an attorney or even a collection agency or even doing it in-house to to collect. So like you said, it is a two-part question, but let's let's start with, you know, the pressing need. Okay, you have somebody that is does not pay your invoice. What do you do? Give up. That's usually the first answer. <laughs> Some people just don't give up though, do they? <laughs> well, no. Some do, but I mean, I guess to, for me, the first thing you do is you, you got to look at why, why this has happened. And I, I just kind of touched on this briefly before, but you know, it could be a variety of reasons. And we'll, you know, we might dive into them a little bit here, but just you know, from the main reasons that you're going to get are, I think, one's inability to pay. You know, that could be intentional or it could have been not intentional at all. And just you know, something kind of happened or fell through what caused that. You have issues where the customer might be dissatisfied with the work or the product that they received, or then, you know, you just have those customers that are just difficult to deal with, or I mean, I guess worst case we're talking, you know, just flat out malicious and <laughs> had no intent to pay from the beginning. And, you know, that's obviously going to take it up a notch and we'll get to, you know, the actions you can take as a business owner. But that, to me, those are those three general areas are what you're going to encounter. Business owners are going to encounter most frequently when they have a client or a customer who hasn't paid. And I would add one fourth category that I'm sorry, Matt, we didn't discuss, but I'm just thinking it out here. It's kind of in between some of these. It's the there's there's always these types of customers that okay they intend to pay, and it's not like that they're completely unable to pay, but you know, because they're waiting for some money to come in that they expected to come in earlier, or, you know, they need to prioritize another bill over yours. They're just procrastinating or, you know, routinely late in in payment. And sometimes even even big businesses do that until you start bothering them. And we're going to talk about some of the ways to to get your money back. They're just going to not pay you until they get, you know, bugged enough to, yeah you know, pay your bill. Well, I think, you know, I, I think if, if we're looking at this as, and I, I don't know the what this is called, a Venn diagram is two overlapping circles. Is okay. three, what's three overlap? You know what I'm talking about? If we have a triangle That's of circles. That's still a Venn diagram. It's just okay. a- still a Venn diagram. Yeah. I think that your example that you just outlined there is you know, the overlapping component of the inability to pay and just the difficult customer. It's, yeah. they don't quite, well, I guess that's wrong. It's a, <laughs> I was gonna say they don't quite have the inability to pay, and they're not. Quite, but they're, I don't know. You, you see what I'm saying there? But yeah. I, I agree with you that that is a different subset for sure. It's that type of of person who's just it's a prioritizing customer. I'll say. Yeah. So l- let's start with what I think is the most difficult situation to deal with as an attorney, and that is is when the customer feels that they feel dissatisfied, right? And the problem with that as an attorney from a legal perspective is that, well, we can't really fix the fact that they feel like they didn't get the value for the services that you're billing them for. And if they're dissatisfied from a legal perspective, it's really hard for us to deal with that because we can say all day long, hey, you, you owe this money already, but then to balance that with the reputation of the business and so forth, it it's, doesn't feel great to get paid reluctantly. I don't care what business you're in, right? And so if that's the issue and really you need to find out if that's the case, then you need to do some kind of soul searching to make sure that, hey, 
are you providing a quality product or service for what you're charging your clients and customers? If not, then you know even even attorneys are going to have trouble collecting in that in that sense. And for in my experience, the the types of businesses that have the most trouble with this are going to be the ones that are a little bit more subjective. So I would say you know kind of the arts. So like maybe a photographer, for example, or somebody that does web design. You know any sort of artistic related field, just because it's it's so dependent on the individual. I mean, you could have like a yeah. If you throw a wedding for the uh, what event planner, yeah, yeah, and well, <laughs> I guess weddings are going to be even in a different situation because at least with web design, you can technically go back and make the change. You're not gonna you're not gonna restage your wedding. In fact, I don't know if do you remember reading? Oh, well, I don't know if you got, if you did, but I remember we read about a case in law school whenever, how long ago that was, where the, it was in an art contracts class with the wedding photographer who, I guess, ended up screwing up all, it wouldn't happen today because it's digital, but it's, it screwed up all their photos and it was all ruined and they were suing for, and I, f- I forget all the details, but that, but they. I, I think remember that because it was how to calculate damages in that yeah, sense, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't remember the answer, but no, I remember it definitely being an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the dissatisfied customers, I mean, to to me, it's almost it's you kind of have to make a decision on how you want to approach it it's you want to be good cop you want to be bad cop you want to be some sort of mix in between i mean you would supposedly have an idea of what your customers like and maybe you just have to feel them out and get an idea what's the best approach to take and yeah some sometimes if if this is you know a, a very unusual case that you usually peop, your customers usually pay but this customer maybe had a bad experience even if you believe that's not correct you know, from a business decision, it may be best not to not to escalate it to another level, or at least obtain, obtain the feedback to find out exactly what what's wrong and see how what it what it's going to take to satisfy them mm-hmm. and possibly get paid. But of course, again, this I think this is the easiest for a business to deal with on their own versus an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, is is this an isolated isolated incident or is this an ongoing thing? And and, and oftentimes, you know, we, we obviously deal with this with the businesses that we work with. And I think what we tell our clients sometimes is, look, I mean, we, we have legal avenues we can take, but this, is, this isn't really a legal, there's not a legal solution necessarily to this. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say that, a legal approach per se. And, and so, you know, it's, it's exactly what you just said. For, the, for a business owner, probably the easiest for them to handle without... You know, pulling any sort of attorney to to get involved, but yeah, it's obviously very case by case. So we touched on that. Let's get in something that's a uh, maybe the next level of having an attorney get involved, perhaps is yeah, an an, an inability to pay. So again, this is going to be very dependent on the situation, but uh, you presumably would know your customer, and you know, it's. I think I touched on this earlier. It could be. You know, they had no intent from the beginning. They knew it was a, they had the inability to pay from the beginning or conversely, if something, you know, for a business, for example, something happens and they just don't have the ability to pay right now, then try to work something out. Whether that be, you know, payment 30 days from now, worst case scenario, maybe say, well, you know, if you can't pay me a hundred percent of it right now, you know, can you pay me 75% of it in 15 days or something? I'm not advocating that route, but that's that's an option that's out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and 
Very rarely is there a true inability to pay in the sense that it's more likely it's just that you're out of all the things that they have to pay for, you're not a priority. It doesn't mean that they can't pay anything. Also, it's it's somewhat rare that people have so less money or not enough money to pay you or anything in the sense that they're on the brink of bankruptcy. That's also rare. It's, I mean, there's a lot of bankruptcies in the country at any given time, but that's not a common thing unless you're in a, in a specific industry. So my point being is that just because they say they have the inability to pay, doesn't mean that they can't pay something. And like you said, over time. And so this can be difficult for a business to deal with because here it, there's, there's trouble kind of going after a client or a customer that, you know, wants to pay you, but is unable to. And so you really have to find creative solutions. But what the worst case scenario is that they say that they're unable to pay. And this is kind of going into our third category a little bit, but they say that they're unable to pay, but they actually can or, or actually do have the means, but they're just choosing not to prioritize you. Then it makes sense to escalate it a little bit. And there's little things that you can do that, that, that are economical depending upon the, how much you're trying to collect. And that could be a little bit more aggressive letter from the, the business, or if the, if the amount makes sense from an attorney, which is much more effective and and then, and then if even escalating there, there's so many options of, of short of a full-fledged litigation if, if the amount in controversy is a smaller amount, depending upon the state, 5,000 or less, or in other states is a little more, then you can go to small claims court, which you don't really need an attorney to do so. I mean, an attorney can help kind of guide you through the process, but you don't need that kind of representation. Yeah, I mean, you don't need it. Not only do you not need, I mean, sometimes you can't even have one, so. That's right, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think you 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 described it perfectly. It's it's a risk versus reward situation. So, you know, you got to look at whether you think you'll be able to collect something from them for the for the uh, the lawsuit route. Whether you think you'll be able to collect something from them, how much is the you know how much is owed? You know, is it going to be worth it financially to pursue that route? A small claims court's obviously going to be much cheaper, the cheapest legal option presumably because you might not have to pay anything other than your time but yeah like you said escalate to a demand letter or a full-fledged lawsuit it's gonna you know <laughs> I, i'm thinking for most of these small bit small and medium-sized businesses for the most part of you know a lawsuit in civil courts probably not going to be cost effective yeah especially if you if your clients are consumers now, if you're B2B, it's a, it's a whole different picture. Right. That's, yeah. Often, if you're dealing with a business that all of a sudden, especially that they've been paying before, but then all of a sudden can't pay, then your strategy is much different. Because keep in mind that you're probably not the only vendor that's not being paid. So in theory, assuming everyone's telling the truth that they are in fact unable to pay, there's only a select pot of funds to go around. and the question is, how are they going to use that fund? Are they going to use that fund to pay the vendors that don't bother them? Or are they going to use the funds that the ven- from the vendors that are pressuring them legally, whether it's a demand letter or a lawsuit, to actually pay them? And the answer is obvious. But it's, of course, it's a delicate strategy because if your bill is hefty enough, you don't want to put them out of business either. You, you, you need to put enough pressure to make sure that they, you know, that they take you seriously, but also keep in mind that you don't want to spend too much resources because if they don't have the cash in the first place, then you're not going to get anything anyway. 
And, and that applies to both consumers and businesses because the last thing you want is some kind of bankruptcy filing where your claim becomes virtually worthless or pennies on the dollar. And a quick tangent, I don't even think this is that off track, but it's kind of, it's an argument I've made many times before with the, uh, the IRS when I've represented individuals or businesses is, you know, if the IRS wants them to make some sort of monthly payment and they want it to be more and I'm arguing less, or they want to maybe settle it and I'm arguing less, I need, I, you know, I tell them, look, especially for businesses, you know, they need the money. Here are your two options. You're either going to accept less money and they're going to be able to run their business or you're going to make them give you more money and they're going to go out of business and then you're going to get nothing. So it's, I mean, you got to kind of look at it from a macro level to see what's going to be the best course to take in these situations. I mean, you're not going to have all the, the information necessarily, but you can make an educated guess. Absolutely. And so we've kind of talked about this a little bit in our third category of, of difficult and even malicious customers and clients. And I think the, the only difference here is if you truly have a customer or client that, frankly, they provided a great service, they have the money to pay, but they are either because they don't care whether you, you, you get paid or not, they're, they're so big that, and you're a small vendor that they can bully you around or, or whatever reason, really the only response is to be aggressive. We've seen this a lot of times, you know, if you're a small vendor and you're providing a service and they don't, they're late in payment, you have to be prepared, even at the cost of losing that client, to cut off service. And the hope is that you have enough negotiating power that it's enough of a disruption that they start paying you on time. Yeah, I mean, and let's, that kind of rolls into, you know, what's, what's a proactive steps you can take? And we mentioned this previously, but having a written contract obviously is going to help with with the right terms in it and you know there's a lot that goes into that but one of the things just kind of leading off what you said is maybe it's if it's kind of an ongoing services for example you know you might want to make sure you have an out as a business owner might want to make sure you have an ability to terminate the contract for their breach and probably failure to cure the breach too and that breach being not paying you on time because you don't want a situation where you're stuck doing work and you know they're not paying you and it's running behind you need you know you want to have some leverage in the situation i mean i guess you could just stop providing the services as well but the point i'm making is a written contract's going to help you out a lot more in this whole process in a situation where you're not getting paid or not getting paid on time even yeah i mean and you're kind of transitioning into our next topic which is how to prevent this in the first place and Matt mentioned a contract is, is probably the number one way to do that, but it also has to do with what exactly, and, and, and you touched on it, Matt, like what terms do we want in there? And I mean, there's just, there's so many things to do. First, the fee structuring, right? Getting paid up front is of course ideal, but of course there's some you know, types of businesses that that's number one, not customary, or two, clients and customers want the safety net of being able to be serviced or given the product before they pay because they want to make sure that they're satisfied. And so like you mentioned, website design is a very common, you know, kind of industry where you don't get paid until you see the product. 
And so a good solution in, in that industry and, and similar to that, any kind of coding or computer work, is you break it up into phases because the last thing you want to do is, is, is work for six months, give them the product, and they're like, oh, I don't like it. And then you've done six months of work you know, without getting paid. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, most people in the industry understand that. But being able to articulate and describe these phases in the agreement is often very difficult for many. And I've seen a lot of people make mistakes in the sense that their, their business becomes half collection agency, half actually servicing their clients. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's a very good point. And that's, <laughs> that's really the nightmare scenario is when you're spending time or even having to hire someone perhaps to, to do the collection aspect of your business just because you're having all these delinquent or, in, or outstanding balances. I mean, that's, it's just not going to be worth it. It's your, and you could be chasing, you know, paying somebody more money than to try to chase this, these funds than you're going to get. It's just, it's just a, something you don't want to encounter. And so like the, the sort of milestone approach to payments can work. I mean, of course, this is all very dependent on the type of business. And, you know, like you said, there's just so many things to consider. It's, it's difficult to narrow this down at a, you know, short podcast where we're not even focusing on one particular business, but just know that, you know, the possibilities, there's plenty of possibilities out there as a business owner to, you know, protect yourself as much as possible. So another tool that you can use is by allocating late fees. And late fees are enforceable. We Everybody's seen them, whether it's paying our credit card bill late or rent bill, utilities bill late, you get a, you get a late charge. And the only problem is, is that people tend to forget that you just can't charge a late fee willy-nilly just because someone didn't pay on time. You do have to have some kind of agreement in writing that provides what the late fee will be and how that's calculated. And then also there's limits to how much you can charge. So for example, a lot of states like California would consider a late fee almost interest on that on that amount owed, that account receivable. And so usury laws may apply as well. And so you would have a limitation in most cases of 10% per year or however it's calculated based upon the, you know, the right. indexes. I think the key word there for, that you just mentioned was reasonable. I mean, it has to, well, of course it has to be within the confines of any statute, city laws, things like laws, things like that. But, you know, if not, it, it does need to be reasonable or else, you know, if it for whatever reason went to a court and a, and a judge, you know, had to look at it, it's, they're going to, he or she's going to say, look, this isn't reasonable. It's not enforceable. So it's, you know, it's something that's possible to do, but it has to be within you know, the confines of, I don't want to keep saying reason, but. Uh. Yeah, well, it, it, and it can't be reasonable just to you because I, 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 we've seen contracts that people have written where it's like 5, 5% per day. And in, 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 yeah. in kind of looking at, oh, that, that seems, you know, 5%, that's not a big deal. But when it's per day or it's calculated per day, that ends up being, you know, a lot more than just 5%. It's 5%, you know, annualized, it's 5% times 365. So a little bit different than what maybe they anticipated or would be considered reasonable. Yeah, and you know, it's, you said it's, it's gonna be good no matter what to, you know, get this in writing, like you said. But I know some states do have statutes where, you know, it's kind of a default, you can charge, 
you know, whatever X amount or X percent, you know, if there's late payment, but it's always going to be the right route to go to get it in writing just so there's no issues of ambiguity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm almost reluctant talking about this because it can be kind of misconstrued or misused, but attorney's fees clause and an attorney's fees clause in a contract basically says, okay, if there's a breach and the prevailing party of a contract dispute will be able to obtain or recover the attorney's fees that are spent. And so in theory, if you put attorney's fees clause in your agreement, if your client or customer fails to pay and then you hire an attorney to collect, then you can recover those legal fees. Now, the only that sounds really nice, but the only problem with that is Oftentimes, most states, even if you put it on a one-sided deal, they may automatically make it two-sided in the sense that even if there's any kind of breach, even from your, even if you breach the contract and the customer sues you, then they can recover attorney's fees. Or if you sue them thinking that you're right, but then you end up being wrong, then you still may be liable for their attorney's fees. So it, 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 I, I'm just mentioning it because it, it is a tool out there, but you got to, it's like any tool, you got to know how to use it and when to use it. and depending upon your industry where it's more likely that your client's not going to pay you than it is for you to breach the contract, then an attorney's fees clause is great because, and this is like, for example, credit card agreements all have that because it's very unlikely that the credit card company is going to breach their contract against you. It's more likely that you're going to fail to pay the credit card or what have you. And if they file a lawsuit, they're going to be able to recover their attorney's fees. And that's why they, they do enforce you know, credit card judgments against people that have the money. That's a good point. I'm glad you, glad you yeah. brought that up. You're welcome. That's why I did it. So let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, that's more or less, I think that's really kind of the quick overview. I mean, there's California, for example, it's, we keep mentioning it depends on the industry. I mean, there's the, the Prompt Pay Act, which deals more with owner contractor issues, but it's, that's but pro- obviously. You, you mentioned Prompt Pay. I mean, that's like, there's another way to encourage customers and clients to pay on time is to give them a discount if they pay within 30 days. It's almost a reverse late fee, but it's a little bit more politically correct, right? And in fact, especially if you're giving, uh, this works really well if you're a small vendor and you're dealing with a very big company, because to them, it's like, okay, if I get a 1% discount for paying early and it's it's a sizable invoice, for them, it's just an easy mathematical problem because the reason they pay late is because of cash flow issues, you know, and and it's, and and so if there's no real penalty to it, then they're go- they're going to do that, and that's a very effective way. It's it's virtually if it's a one percent discount, it's a virtually one percent late fee, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, I was thinking is that, and this we kind of should have started out with, is that you need to have, especially if you're not getting paid on the front end, you need to have a procedure of collections and a procedure of escalation, especially if you're doing a lot of volume of business in general, meaning a lot of small transactions, you need to, you need to have a routine of invoicing in the sense, let's say you have a 30 day invoice. That means that after you send your invoice the first day, if you don't receive it by the 20th day, you send another invoice, hey, follow up, hey, you know, don't forget your, your invoice is due or your payment is due within 10 days. And if you don't, and as soon as they don't get payment on the 30th day, then you need to have another follow-up and it could be an email, it could be a letter, or it could be even a phone call 
And then you escalate from there. You have another tickler at, at 45 days or 60 days. And then 90 days, you need to have some, you know, escalate that, that correspondence, whether it becomes, hey, final notice or what have you, just as you would get. I mean, you know, hopefully you don't get this, but we've all seen it at least, you know, elsewhere that, you know, you, you, you get you know, that final notice stamp or, you know, you're about to be evicted, there's an escalation to that. And, and no, you should also have an internal policy. Okay. At what point are you going to have your attorney send a demand letter? At what point and for how much money are you going to file a lawsuit for? And, and, you know, for, for most businesses, you, you pretty much need that, need that policy because you're going to encounter this over and over again. There's some businesses that they tend not to have too many kind of late payments. And so it, it may depend on a case by case basis, but I would say most businesses, there's always a certain percentage of, of just customers and clients that are late or non payers. And, and, and if you're smart enough, or if you're, I shouldn't say smart enough, if you're, if you're able to and your industry is uh, capable of, 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 of doing so, getting rid of those troubled customers will make your life much easier. So for those listening, if you can't get rid of troubled customers, you're not smart, according to <laughs> Nasser. That's not what I said. Don't put words in the mouth that, that, I, that I actually just said five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> and one last thing, too, I do want to mention, I know we just keep piling on this, but we look at the opposite side of this equation. So you have a customer, or I, let's say in this situation, customers aren't paying you, you're expecting that money to come in. Now you as a business can't pay maybe some of your expenses or vendors, et cetera. You know, you've got to look at it from the other side of, of the mirror, I guess. And so you know, obviously you have to pay wages, you know, you're going to pay things like that, but you need to have some sort of plan in place, you know, for whatever reason, if you're not getting paid from a big client or multiple big clients, you know, you need to have some sort of reserve or, or something or else you're going to run into the same problem we've essentially been discussing this whole time from the opposite side. Yeah, and, and especially if, you, if your financial condition is such, then getting deposits and upfront money becomes very important. Like, and so, like, for example, one of the ways that you can offset a client or customer's kind of reluctance to pay you upfront is to make it a refundable deposit. In the sense that it's you're contractually obligated to return the funds upon some event, but in in good faith, you okay, you know, I'm going to collect a deposit now. Attorneys, for example, have a trust account that they you can you they actually put the money into a trust account before it's actually earned. Now, some businesses can do the same. Now, most businesses don't have a trust account or escrow account, but when you're talking about a large amount of funds, you know, just as an example, when you're buying a business, right, you're not going to put a million dollars in in their hands and they're going to hand the business over you're going to put into a, an escrow just like you're buying a house and so just be you know there there are if the amount is large enough you can definitely go through an escrow service and and it makes sense i know if you're buying anything illegal on online they have escrow services so in the dark web <laughs> so why not for for people that are doing legitimate business i don't buy anything on the dark web i'm just no as an <laughs> fyi all right, well, I think that's our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up to date. 
and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.